Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This edition of How to Be a CEO is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharmadine Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. ES Audio. Okay, so new password. Um, How about... Oh, it needs to be eight characters. Okay, so how about... Oh, and it needs a symbol, so... And a number. Okay, done. And I've forgotten it. We all have our own relationships with our passwords, whether we remember them or not. But if you're in the business of security, how do you get people to take things like their passwords seriously? I think if you went to the average human being and said, are you, you know proud of what you're doing with your passwords, they'll, they'll admit that they're not. But still getting, getting people to take that next step to actually take action is difficult. I'm John Weeks from The Evening Standard. Jeff Shiner is CEO of 1Password, a digital password manager company who thinks they could one day become a thing of the past. So with passwordless, you, you would never have a password to Twitter or to PayPal or, or even to 1Password you would effectively use your trusted device. It will generate a token or a passkey that will then be used for that access. So in the tech landscape of 2023, with artificial intelligence repeatedly hitting the headlines and growing warnings about keeping our personal information and devices secure, online security has never been as important as it is today. It it really hasn't, both because, as you say, the, the hacks continue to get you know, more and more prevalent and in some cases more sophisticated. But I think even more importantly, because we just have so much of our lives online. Everything is online, not just logins, but, you know, our full identity tends to be online and, in, in, you know, whether it's in your phone or, or other places. And I think that's the information that a lot of the, um, you know, threat actors are trying to go after. And, you know, computer passwords themselves, they have changed so much in the last 20 or 30 years. You know, we've got constantly updating requirements for passwords. Is it a struggle, really, to translate the importance of really secure passwords these days? And do you think people do get it? They, they somewhat get it. I, I think if you went to the average human being and said, are you, you know, proud of what you're doing with your passwords, they'll, <laughs> they'll admit that they're not. But still getting, getting people to take that next step to actually take action is difficult. 
like I like to look at at the recent what they called the the breach of PayPal, which really wasn't a breach at all. Um, PayPal, you know, there was a credential stuffing attack. Now that's just a fancy way of saying people took previous breaches where maybe a site that wasn't so secure was breached, and then they would take a you know that same person's username and password and try it on PayPal. And, you know, I think they got over 30,000 accounts just that simply. And it's because, again, I got like to say, as humans, we just we suck at security. Um, that's just not what we're made for. And I suppose that's not the worst sort of launch board for a company like OnePassword to, <laughs> to go in with it. As people, people suck at security. How did OnePassword sort of come about? How was it sort of launched? Yeah, it's interesting. So we've got two, you know, two founding families in Dave and Sarah and Rustam and Italia back 17 years ago. But... Dave and Rustam at the time were actually building e-commerce sites. And how it originally started is it originally started as convenience. It started as sort of the um, the inside joke is it was supposed to be a 30-day project, which is going on 17 years. But the, the goal was as they built e-commerce sites, because um, they were consulting, and it was all of those things like signing into the sites and testing the sites that were repetitive that were painful. And, and so they said, how can we make this easier? And so it started off with very much of, of the ease of use. But then as they started to you know, talk about that to, to others, people started to say, oh, well, like we want to use that not just for the convenience, but because it would be a convenient way to hold secure information. Can we make it secure? And then that quickly led to it holding you know, secure information like logins and stuff like that, where, where the focus was, again, as it always has been for us, that combination of security and convenience. It's not just about making things secure, it's about making the easy way the secure way. And that's how we help people, you know, uh, not, be so, not be so terrible with security. And is that what sort of teased you into the business, Jeff? What was your story behind coming into 1Password? So I spent uh, over a decade at IBM, left a couple of times for different startups, and they brought me back to help build uh, the e-commerce, you know, what would become Webster Commerce at an IBM level. That's actually where I met Dave. I was actually his uh, team lead back in, I think, like 99 at the, you know, at the start of e-commerce. And so I got to know Dave and Sarah back, you know, when, when we both worked at IBM and actually lived up the street. And then we went our separate directions and I ended up spending about six and a half. So I'm, I'm Canadian. I live in, well, in Waterloo near Toronto. But at the time, I, I actually spent six and a half years in the U.S. doing e-commerce consulting. And I had moved from the architect, from the, you know, the dev side, which is all, all my background, into having the, the, the business responsibilities for what grew to be a 400-person dev org um, at, at the company Rosetta, which is the, the consulting company that I was there at. And so... Dave and Rustam were now at the point where one password had grown for a number of years. It was small, but it was growing. And you know, I think it was about 20 people. And and Dave and Rustam, they want to build and invent. Like their their joy in life is not, you know, running a company. And so they were looking for somebody to help run the company. And, you know, that's what sort of attracted them into looking for somebody to to come in as a CEO. Dave obviously knew me from before. He wanted somebody who had a developer background but could lead a business. What excited me about the opportunity was twofold. So one, just to be clear, like it was exciting to be able to look at a company that was small and, and, and early and say, you know, I see a way that I can, I can grow that company. I, I see a way that I can help. But it was also very exciting to me from a standpoint of this is sort of the ultimate um, customer app. This is an opportunity for us to come in and say we can make people's lives 
better, safer and better, right? And it gets, I like to say people come for the security, but they stay for the convenience. You come because you know you you're, you want to have a secure hygiene when it comes to, to security. But really, after six months, you're like, man, I just like that I can just press a button and log into everything. So it's it's that wonderful combination. And that really attracted me to, to 1Password. So what are some of the more significant challenges or issues you faced, Jeff, in your time as CEO of 1Password? Yeah, I mean, there, there's certainly been tons of them. Um, I think one of the ones that I like to focus on a little bit is is um, the side of growth. And and I do that because, and I, I mean growth in terms of the size of the company, because almost every time you double the company, the problems change. And that's a real challenge. So when you're 20 people, you can get everybody in the room and, and hear everybody out, make a decision and off you go. You know, we're 900 plus now. You You know, you can't get everybody's opinion and make a decision from that. Um, and that's a, that's a challenge. And so every time that we doubled, we had different challenges as we, you know, as we grew at a certain stage early on, some of the people that you need are the people that have the, the broadest range of skills. So they may be able to develop, they might be able to um, write documentation, they might be able to help the customers and, and do all of those things quite well. Um, and then what happens as you as you grow, now you start to, to get larger. And so now you'll have a specialist. Now you'll have a, you know, the, the developer that, that you know, uh, just wants to develop and is awesome at it. And, and a person who just wants to write documentation is awesome at it. And you start to see the people who really had the value because they could do all of the different things together when you were small. Now they struggle to find a place because... They don't want to do any one of these, and yet now they're sort of, of specialists in each group. And so that's a problem as you sort of hit the 50 or maybe 100 person mark. As you start to hit the 200 person mark, I remember we had a, um, we, early on, we used to say, we'll never have a manager. We'll never have a manager. And it was just, um, don't, don't get me wrong, I love my time at IBM, but you know, some, some of the things back then in the, in the, in the 90s from, from the manager side were just a little too, I think, formal. So that was that, you know, early on, we're like, we'll never have a manager. And when we hit, I think 100, 150 people were like, we need a manager. Um, and it was a really hard decision to get that first manager who is, uh, Rob, who led our customer support group. And then once we had one, we were thrilled and, and couldn't, couldn't wait to get a second. And it was just, um, growth at every stage. Now, as we hit, the really large, well, I'm going to call them really large numbers of 900 people, communication becomes a problem, communication and focus. How do we get 900 people to understand where we're trying to go? And so um, we're putting a big push on OKRs this year, objectives and key results, where we can start at the company level and say, these are the you know the four things we're trying to do. And then at each level down, people set their objectives and key results that ultimately level up to the to the company objectives. But it's interesting because at every stage you learn and you have to solve new problems. That is quite interesting because for a lot of companies, a lot of teams, managers can be a bit of an issue, whether that's them, you know, struggling to balance their workload with actually managing or the people below them struggling to work alongside them. It sounds like they've been a bit of a blessing in this circumstance for you guys at 1Password. Is that fair to say? Yeah, they've been, oh, just an absolute blessing. But I think part of the challenge is when I look at a manager, I don't look at um, a person who just comes in, has no um, sense of that uh, org or, or what they accomplish and just aims to be a people manager only. Um, 
you know, we'll choose technical people to be technical managers and we'll choose you know, people with marketing skills to be marketing managers and they will both do and manage. Now at certain levels, like, you know, it, it's, it's a little bit of some might do early on 70% development, 30% people management. And later on, it's going to be 70, 70% people management, 30% development. But I think what you end up with is people who understand the role, understand, you know, what those folks are going through as opposed to just a manager who's, who's completely um, outside of that, that field. And, and it's just very difficult to connect in that regard. So that's worked for us. In terms of other challenges, is it a challenge to sell something that's ultimately, you know, a responsibility rather than something that's perhaps entertainment, for example? What are the challenges around selling the idea of, you know, trying to be a bit more responsible with your security? Yeah, I mean, I, I look at it in terms of who we sell to, right? And, and so we'll sell up the CISO, CIO um, path as opposed to the, the CMO path. Um, and because of that, the you know the problems you're solving are problems of security but they're also problems of productivity i remember talking to a cto of a large enterprise and and i asked them what what's your biggest problem and and he said to me we need to give our people the tools that will make them productive at their jobs but somehow we also have to keep the company secure and so I look at that as, a, as, you know, that's a real problem, especially in this day of SaaS, because nowadays you'll go out and you'll, you'll just bring apps in as, as, a, as a person into the company. I'm going to bring in Monday or I'm going to bring in Figma. Or I'm going to bring in, you know, and IT probably has no, you know, no view into half the apps that the company's using. And here you've got, it might be customer data, might be IP, it might be brand information that's going into these apps that, that the company has no visibility into. And so when we go, we say, look, a lot of the security software is at the IT level. And we integrate and partner with them. So SSOs like Okta and Azure and so on and so forth, the, the SIMs that do the threat detection, um, the, the MFA solutions like Duo, like all of these different solutions tend to live at the IT level. When Password lives at the human, we live at the person, at the employee. And we're helping that employee. And the reason the employee is using it is because it makes it easier for them. They just have to tap to log in and stuff like that. They don't have to worry about it and they don't have to, you know, worry ab ab about their security hygiene, but it's also convenient for them. But then at a business level, that really makes A, the business feel better because obviously their folks are more secure, but it also helps that business understand what tools are being used, where that data is going and and that provides a lot of value. So you're right, it's not the hey, come use this um fun tool. But you know what? It's actually a tool that over time, I think people really, really appreciate. And I would, I would argue enjoy. So it's actually kind of nice in that regard, because most security software is not, not necessarily software you enjoy. Let's take a break now. In part two, Jeff explains what pass keys are and how they might replace passwords, and also shares his advice for young entrepreneurs. I've always followed one sort of rule or one plan in, in my career, and that is, what do I want to do next? Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. 
United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. And obviously, 1Password's designed for anyone to be able to use it. It's quite simple and easy to use as an app. In terms of growth, though, what do you sort of aim for going forwards? And do you tend to market 1Password very much to the public? Yeah, so in, in terms of growth, I assume you mean like business growth in this case. And when we look at business growth, yeah, we very much aim to go down two paths. One is the business path, the other is the consumer path. I think it's very important that people use it both at work and at home because I think it's habit forming. Um, but one of the paths that we've taken and chosen to take is to sit there and say, how do we give it, um, like if you buy a business account, everybody at that business gets a free family account. And that's a way that I want to be able to say, like, we don't have a free tier, uh, you know, we're a premium solution, but I still want a way that I can, in effect, give it to free for the people. And and so if your business is using, if your company is using it, you obviously get to use it at work, but then you also get a free, completely separate family account. So the business has no view into it, but that's free for your family. And so when we look at it from, from that point of view, you know, my goal is to really, um, help drive on the B2B side, like help businesses stay secure. I like to say, you know, keep your business secure by securing the people that work there. But then I also want to be able to say and secure, you know, them at home, but not just them, their family. And that's why we give the family accounts because then it becomes habit forming. Um, and, and admittedly, some of that is is a bit self-serving because if we can get a family to use it, they're going to bring it into the other businesses that they, they work for and that. So it's, it's you know, not, not entirely altruistic, but it really, I think, is important. And so when we look at it from a business growth point of view, you know, we're going to get the bulk of our growth from selling to businesses over, you know, even although we continue to sell to consumers, but mostly because I'm trying to sell it to the businesses and then give it to the to the employees for free as a result. We've sort of talked about the the importance of passwords already, Um, but you do hear stories and it comes out in articles, there's some research that suggests the the most used password is password one or whatever. Um, Do you guys sort of use research like that at all to inform your decisions going forward? Uh, We do. Now, I'll be clear, we can't do that research ourselves because we have no ability to look into people's walls, just no technical ability. It always worries me when I see research like that. I'm like, how did they get that information? That's 
that worries me. But what we do is as part of our, our password generator, we actually get lists of commonly used passwords to ensure that those passwords aren't generated by our generator or if somebody types them in by hand if you use like dragon's a common one or or things like that um we will mark them in what we call watchtower in our security health system you know that you can look at when you use one password that tells you are you reusing passwords you have weak passwords and it will mark that as a very weak password because it is on that list so we actually take those lists and integrate it into one password in a way that we can help the consumer avoid those passwords when we met at Web Summit last year, Jeff, we were talking a bit more about the, the sort of tech side of things and the growing use really of biotech, whether it's face ID or fingerprint ID. Going forward, can you, do you think that's going to become more and more accessible so that almost every device you use has that level of security going forward, really? There's a couple of misconceptions there that I'll, I'll try and talk about briefly. But yes, if I look at it in terms of biometrics, biometrics, I, I'm going to argue is on almost, like you say, almost every device. And so if I think of it today, when I go and log into one password today, sure, I've got my account password and my secret key, but I, I enter that once at the beginning and after that I'm using my finger or my face. And what happens there is on the device, so let's say I'm using my iPhone, use Face ID, what it does is it, it goes to the, what's called a secure enclave on my phone and there retrieves my information that allows me to unlock one password. And so that information doesn't leave the phone. But what's also important is I still have the actual account information to unlock one password. I'm not actually using my face to unlock one password. And it's the same thing with, with all of the apps that you unlock, say, on your phone or on your desktop. What you're really doing is saving, in effect, the, the credentials locally on that device and then using your, your biometrics to unlock that and then send the credentials to the, um, you know, to the, to the source with, a, again, with Twitter, PayPal, 1Password or otherwise. Um, and that's, that's important for a few reasons. Like it's important mostly because you don't want each app or each service to have your facial or your biometric information. If that were ever stolen in a way that it could be used, as you can imagine, <laughs> it's very hard to change your finger or your face. Um, and that's where we get into what I think going forward is going to be the, the, the solution that certainly we are championing. And, and I think the, you'll see the platforms champion as, as, which is passwordless. Now, passwordless sometimes gets misconstrued to be biometrics because again, biometrics plays a role, but it's different. So with passwordless, you, you would never have a password to, you know, to Twitter or to PayPal or, or, or even to one password, you would effectively um, use your trusted device. It will generate a token or a passkey that will then be used for that access. And that's, um, as, as you, you know, I remember from November when we purchased, uh, when, when we acquired Passage, Passage is a passkey provider. So we'll be a passkey provider as well, which means companies can, you know, come to us for a passkey. But the benefit of a passkey is there's actually no credential there that needs to be stored at the, at the end site. So if you think of a PayPal, there's no credential stuffing attack possible because there's nobody who's got username and password there. Like, in, in the future. Um, obviously, that's not the, the case today, but that's that's the promise of passkeys in the future is that it's just a token and things like credential stuffing attacks go away. 
And is that something you can see going forward, a situation where passwords literally are no longer a thing? No one ever has to come up with one again because everything is biometric through a passkey and then into whatever you're trying to access. I want to drive in that direction. I mean, if I'm if I'm honest with myself, it's, you know, I, I'm a little old, but I remember 20 odd years ago when um, Active Directories, that was the promise. Everything would go through an Active Directory and there wouldn't be passwords. And then it was single sign-on servers. And then it was like sign in with Google or sign in with Facebook and so on and so forth. Like there's always the promise of it. I think the reality is passkeys will come. Passkeys will be um, a very positive force. We'll see them over the next, I'm going to say probably one to three years before we really start to see them in, in full force. But they will, they'll become a lot more present, a lot more used just because they have both security and convenience benefits. But the reality is there's still going to be a big mix of everything that's used. I can't see companies forcing you, if you have a password, to change it to a pass key. There'll be some services that don't pick it up. So there's going to be a real mix. And that's going to introduce another challenge to us human beings, right? Because we don't wake up in the morning and say, how do I authenticate to this service? You just want to go and log on to, you know, whatever tool you're using. So part of what we're trying to focus on at 1Password is not only pass keys and drive that forward, but provide what we call universal sign-on, which is a fancy way of saying, regardless of how you authenticate, whether you, you use a password, you sign in with Google, you sign in with, let's say, Okta or Azure, or you use a passkey, you come to one password, you say, hey, I want to go open Figma, and we'll open, we'll open Figma using you know, whatever method you, you, you use, and, and you as a person don't have to remember that. So that's another sort of challenge that I think we as people will see, but it's one that one password can make a seamless experience for the people. Where is 1Password going now? I mean, how do you grow in the world of online security? Yeah, I, I mean, there's two sides of that. One, the reality is there's still a huge, honestly, majority of the people and businesses that aren't using a solution. And so I think we just have the opportunity to continue to grow at scale for years, you know, as the premier enterprise password management solution. But I also think that there's a huge opportunity in terms of the broader human-centric security. There's other you know, challenges that we as humans face, especially around security. A good example of that is you know, over the last year, we've really focused on developers and, and starting to solve some of the problems that developers have with their secrets, SSH keys and things like that, that are you know, unique to, to developers as a challenge. And so I think when we look at it, there's plenty of, of sort of like parallel swim lanes in human-centric security that we can branch into that are very exciting for us to to move towards. So I think what you'll see is you'll continue to see us grow in terms of just our expansion into, you know, hopefully all companies, um, but also expand sideways into other human-centric security solutions and, and just continue to help people, again, make it make it easy for them to stay secure. And so what would you say, in your experience, Jeff, is the, the secret, really, to succeeding in the tech world today? What would your advice be to entrepreneurs now who are sort of hoping to be in the position of CEO one day? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the way you succeed as a company, more than anything else, in my opinion, is listen to your customer. You know, there's the old story of the customer comes in and says, I want X. And, and, you know, you as a company say, well, you don't really want X. What you want is Y. And then the customer goes away and it turns out they wanted X. Um, and, and it's amazing how, how many times that happens. It always sounds silly, but we, we, you know, that discussion happens more often than you think. It's like, well, 
I know you're saying you want this, but here's what we've got. And so I think you really have to listen to your customer. Now, you have, as a business, have to decide where you turn that you know, customer request into a feature. Is it, is it something only that one customer will want, or is it something that the broader basic customers will want? And that's a big part of the challenge. But ultimately, it just comes down to listening to your customers. They're more than happy to tell you what problems they're trying to solve. And if that's a problem that you think you've got a real edge at solving, then I think you go for it. So I, I, it sounds simple, but it's, it's, it's surprisingly difficult to do, right? I, you really have to listen to your customers. Then in terms of being CEO um, and how to become CEO, I don't know. I, you know, I've always followed one sort of rule or one plan in, in my career, and that is, what do I want to do next? So I remember back again in the 90s when my team leader left and I wanted to be the team leader. That, that's, that's where I saw. So I was, you know, I was in a development shop. I wanted to be the team leader. That's what I saw. And then I, you know, started to see, oh, okay, well, you know, that's what the next level does or the, you know, the next role that I want. And, and I would sit there and say, that appeals to me, usually because of the decision making that they could have. And while I ne- don't necessarily know that I would do it in the same way as the person in that role, I could see that I could be successful at that. So I always looked at my career as, you know, whose role do I want next? And eventually it got to the point where yeah, I want the CEO's role next, but it was never the plan of, hey, like in, in X number of years, I'm going to be the CEO. I always just looked at what role I wanted next and, and why I wanted that. And do you still love it today? I do. I do. It's a challenge. Don't get me wrong. But um, I think it's the fact that it's a challenge that makes it exciting. That was One Password CEO, Jeff Shiner. For more interviews, news and analysis, head to standard.co.uk forward slash business or pick up the Evening Standard newspaper. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.